Good afternoon, Montreal. You're listening to CKUT 90.3 FM. It's 2.06 on a Thursday afternoon. It's time for Movement Museum. I'm Alison Burns, and I'm here with uh, four co-hosts today. Three. Three. Well, there are four of us. It's true. It's true. And, and besides, math isn't my strong suit. Uh, so there's J.D. Papillon, who you just heard, uh, Karen Fennell, and uh, Jen Doan. Hello. Hello. And uh, you'll know J.D.'s voice when he comes up, because he's the only boy in the room. Hi. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mystery solved. That's everybody. Uh, so we're going to start the, the show off with uh, some interviews we have in the vault that we want to... Um, uh, sorry, interviews, reviews, rather, that we have in the vault that we want to get through of uh, some of the exciting shows that we've been seeing around Montreal these days. And a little later on, we're going to be hopefully talking to somebody from Acme Burlesque, which is not to be confused with Circantique, which we had on a few weeks ago, but a different burlesque-associated uh, troupe, which seems to be our... our our theme these days, which is a lot of fun because we're getting we're getting through some different territory. Yada yada. We're gonna uh, get started with some reviews. I think the first one we want to start with is again time sensitive because it opened last night and uh, it's playing this weekend. So if you are intrigued or titillated by the review that we give, uh, you're welcome to, to catch it at Agora de la Danse. It's called Les Mêmes Yeux Que Toi by Anne Plamondon. Anne Plamondon, for those who might not know, is, um, is a dancer with uh, rubber band dance. She's a former dancer of the Grand Ballet de Montréal. And um, it, it's one of the first things to know about her is that she has developed uh, the rubber band dance movement quite a bit she's had quite an impact on that you know the, the signature moves that they found uh, along with Victor Quijada and that was one of my first questions going into the show was does she have like her own kind of movement that sets her apart from what she does with rubber band dance or is it going to be the, the same kind of lexicon vocabulary and it turns out that it's pretty much the same it, just on that note, I had a different perspective going into the show because I have never seen rubber band dance, and I know that should be a slap on the wrist because yeah. that's a that's a must see. But I have seen Tentacle Tribe, which is also a group, a duo that harkens from rubber band. So that was my perspective on the show. And that's the thing about rubber band dance. Um, there is, and it's one of the really interesting things about a company. I find they have developed their own vocabulary that's really strong. That you know, like you see one of their dancers moving in that in that way and you can tell like it, there is just something very significant about the way they move but at the same time they each do have their own idiosyncratic way to move inside of that and what I'm trying to say is that basically Anne Plamondon is not just moving like rubber bandits. she has her own way of moving which has been very much uh, affected by, by that vocabulary from rubber bandits. and she's a fantastic mover like I mean the show rests very much on, on her capacity to move and just to have her body go into so many different directions and ways and she has such a strong control of her weight if it hasn't been made clear yet, it is a self-solo. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, it's at La Goran. That That's a big gamble. La Goran has been taking this uh, this half season. They're doing only solos. And in her case, I, I think it's the first solo she's done in at least many years. I don't know if she's ever created a solo on herself before. But uh, it 
again, it goes with the the kind of gamble they took, and it's it's a really interesting piece because of that, because of seeing her movement not in relationship to other dancers from the company, but really how she explore explores that movement in relationship to herself, which is very different from the perspective of seeing her with with the company. As someone who never seen rubber band dance before, what did you think of the movement? How did you see it with with your fresh eyes? Well, again, I have this uh, uh, kind of going in thinking of Tentacle, Tentacle Tribe. Tribe yeah. yeah, and that kind of contemporary um, work informed by breaking, informed by a locking and stopping and, and kind of like really um, strong stops and really fluid uh, movements and spins um, but a lot of power and a lot of strength and uh, and I definitely saw that um, I wanted to speak uh, of also like the, the container she put the work in because uh, she was discussing issues of mental health and um, and it, the this scene that she created was really nice, but it was also huge. It was a huge open space. Um, and going back to what you're talking about, this solo work, it was very hard, um, I, f I feel, to, to fill that space with one body moving around, no matter how engaging her movement was. That, that That's something that we talked quite a bit last night after seeing the show. And at the same time, I feel that with, with the thematic of... of um, well, I mean, just to put people in, in the perspective of the show, it's a big empty space. There is a, like a car seat in the front, uh, front right of the stage, and uh, well, left for the stage left, stage yeah. left, uh, front stage is left, and. Um, Apart from that, there's just like the white walls at the at the end of the the stage, like upstage, and with big windows. So it's a big empty space, mm -hmm. basically, and it fits with the theme of sort of a descent into madness that she talks about. Uh, just having this like big space that really like sort of topples over the the mm -hmm. performer, but at the same time. It doesn't always work. Um, it sometimes she just gets lost in that space. Well, I think there's there's um, a lack of contrast because you just have her body in the big space. You know, whether it's it's close to you or far from you, or whether the lights isolate her or grow her, there there you just still have this one body in this big space. Um, and and I think that for me was was. Uh, would be my criticism throughout the work. I did really enjoy the work. She's amazing, amazing mover, and she had some really interesting kind of awkward movement and position propositions that were very intriguing, um, but it was fairly consistent in, in far as uh, she gives her all, she takes a breath, you know, she gives her all again, she takes a breath, and there there wasn't a ton... There was a contrast in the in the, in the choreograph in the choreography in the dancing in the sequences. There was a beautiful contrast, but I think in the structure of the work, I didn't feel as much of a contrast. Although I will say I adored um, the text because she she spoke uh, mainly at the beginning, and there was I believe some text later on as well, and and just beautiful language and really really poetic and really kind of letting us into into her topic really personal yeah it felt like it felt um it felt really heart-wrenching in a way i feel because it, it is a personal story i don't want to give everything away 
but she is relating, you know, something that is close to her. And for me, the, the strongest moment of the show was the first 15 minutes about when she comes and sits on the car seat and she represents this, this sort of falling into madness uh, episode that happened to someone and just she uses very minimalist movement like with a bit of repetition and moving just one limb uh, back and forth then just stopping there moving the head and at the same time like she was using voice a bit during that time the voice wasn't heard that well like she she doesn't seem to be very trained in voice so like her projection wasn't great and there but was I a think, mic yeah because uh, your same your same argument about the space being large and she being uh, you know a smaller lost individual in it i think you can you can associate with like her voice not necessarily projecting that far it's more these whispers and these little thoughts but at the same time though that moment was about this sort of powerful memory very like uh rough kind of thing that happened but if she'd come out and and acted it to us and then projected instead of sitting there talking to herself about it i think it would have completely changed my perception of well it. they were using a mic i feel that if they had placed the mic better uh, we could have heard the speech, the, the talk a bit better, and I feel that that would have helped. Because like, the, and I was sitting what three rows or four rows back from from the stage, and I still couldn't hear that well. So the whole time I was trying to focus on what was being said, and I, I lost a bit of the the movement because of that. And I felt that that was just a little technical difficulty that didn't seem to be the intention. I, I felt that it was just. Well, that's something that we didn't calibrate well enough. Mm. I'm really curious. You guys are talking about her exploring mental health and all of that. And from what you're saying, too, I'm, I'm imagining that she laces that kind of exploration or conveys that through this personal story. Mm-hmm. Is there anything like specific maybe in the program or, or that you walks away with that um, you know pertain to this experience or, or what it is she was trying to say about mental health and, and I don't specifically think- what about it? I don't think she was trying to say anything about it. I think she was just trying to relate to the audience something that has been painful in her past Mm. and sort of make us live that through her body and through her presence. And for that, I feel that it really works. Like for me, I I mentioned it was heart-wrenching. I feel that the way she brought that quality into her really works. And it works for pretty much the whole piece. There might be moments where... You see more just Anne Plamondon dancing than you see Anne Plamondon representing that sort of pain that she's lived through that. Um, but for the most part of it, it really, like she really embraced that uh, the, the, the topic of mental health through her body. I would like to, uh, to play a clip uh, from the soundtrack of the work. I wonder, do you just want to talk a bit about the sound? You were saying you really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the soundtrack, uh, but I don't. I don't think I could describe it. Actually, like uh, it was. It. It wasn't like. I mean, I don't know. I feel that a risk with talking about mental health would be to go for this like booming music where you know, just like you feel like you're yourself going crazy just because of the music. But rather, she uses. She used something kind of melancholic. And very sweet and very down to earth, but at the same time that just worked with her movement beautifully. 
Mm-hmm. And the music is credited to uh, Nijo Kong Ki. I'm doing my best here, but uh, I'm I'm going to play uh, just a just a two minute clip of it now to give you an impression of uh, of what we heard last night at Les Mêmes Yeux Que Toi by Anne Plamando, playing all weekend at Agora. So once again, you just listened to a track from Les Mêmes Mieux Que Toi, which is a dance show by Anne Plamando, a self-solo, presented at Agora. Um, last night it opened, and it's actually still playing, November 7th uh, and to the 9th. So tonight and tomorrow night at 8 p.m. There's also um, a supplementaire, what do you call that, an extra show, on Saturday that's been announced. Oh, my. So on I'm the 10th, mistaken. there's a show at 4 so there you go. You still have a chance to, to go see it, to go check it out at Agora. And uh, that's it for that review. I believe Karen is up next with a review. Yes. Um, so last night I had the pleasure of seeing um, the show Usually Beauty Fails by uh, Frederick Gravel, um, another local artist um, with his group of collaborators, the Group.Gravel Art Group. Um, this show is playing at Cinquième Salle of Place des Arts. Last night was the premiere, and it plays uh, at 8 p.m. tonight, tomorrow night, and Saturday night, and again next week, the 14th to the 17th of November, again at 8 p.m., and it is part of the Danse Danse series. So, what to say about this piece? Um, so in the, the usual manner uh, that Fred Gravel works, um, the piece was a collaboration with his performers, which consisted of dancers and musicians. Um, Fred Gravel himself is quite a multi-talented artist. Uh, he works as a choreographer, dancer, uh, musician. He's also done lighting. Um, he's a bit of a... Yeah, he's quite a multi-talented Led. Um, and in this show, he uh, is, I guess, the artistic director, um, also performs as a dancer and musician, um, and also at various moments kind of an MC where he's talking to the audience about what's going on in the show. Um, I'm just going to read a little 
tiny bit from the program, which sums up just a little bit of, of the way that this show works to give people an idea. Once more, bringing together dancers and musicians in a space where choreographic show and concert are interwoven, Quebec's Fred Gravel plays with the codes of contemporary dance and pop culture to question their respective canons. Built upon a series of short scenes in the manner of Gravel Works, which was his previous piece, um, the work goes by like the songs of a sweet and savory album about the fury of life, our unease at experiencing beauty, and the difficulty in finding harmonious contact points in relationship. Inspired by the aesthetic of videos where the desire to please is so strong that they become quasi-pornographic, the choreographer exacerbates frontality and tackles the game of seduction in group movements where dancers are as vulnerable as provocative. So I'm not quite sure who's coined this term, but a somebody has coined the term for his work, a choreographic concert, um, in that he's attempting to present dance in a way that's a bit melded with more with the form of a, of a music show, of a pop music show. Um, so the work itself is about an hour and 45 minutes long, um, and it kind of proceeds as these sort of short, mostly short episodes uh, involving live music and dancers. Um, and there's definitely not a narrative thread. It's the kind of thing... Um, where one thing happens and then everything is kind of exposed to the public. So even as you walk into the theater, you see there's some of the dancers, they're standing on the stage, some are stretching on the side, the musicians are there. Um, there's no wings, there's nobody going like away where you can't see them. So we're sort of witnessing all the transitions happen live, um, and which is, I think, part of what uh, Fred Gravel is interested in playing with is sort of breaking codes and stereotypes of contemporary dance and the way that it's presented and the way that it's perceived. Um, and there's a sort of like rawness and exposure, I think, that he's interested in. You know, you're seeing the dancers wipe the sweat from their brow and you're seeing the musicians like pick up their instruments or like you're seeing everything happening live before you. And a little ways into the piece, Fred himself um, takes the microphone and kind of introduces the show. Um, it's a very um, well-spoken and witty kind of MC, um, sort of poking fun at commenting on the piece itself that, that we're witnessing. Um, he mentions the term choreographic concert and sort of indicates that we may respond as we like after each section of the piece as if you're in a concert you can applaud you cannot applaud he says or you can respond as if you're watching a contemporary dance piece which i don't really know what that means the the movement uh there's a very specific movement quality um that the dancers evoke that is very i would say very sharp um very uh athletic and raw and almost almost violent some of the movement even in the just in the way that the dancers are throwing their bodies around um i just want to give a shout out to all of the performers in the piece who are all very skilled performers um amazing movers um so the dancers in the piece uh as well as fred himself were kimberly de jong francis de charme uh, Brianna Lombardo, frederick tavernini and jamie wright also on stage are the musicians uh, stephen Boucher and Philip no yes Stephen Boucher and Philip Bro yes so the piece a very striking scene at the beginning we see all of the dancers uh, start to 
move backwards in space and it's as if there's this tension in their bodies that they're trying to move forward but they're being pulled backwards and they're getting themselves into these kind of contorted positions um, and so there's this sort of struggle from the beginning I guess that we feel this tension within the bodies of the dancers and he sort of goes back and forth between playing with this presenting this this tense movement quality in this struggle and then also these sort of banal scenes like for instance there's a, a scene there's a couple of scenes where the dancers strip down to their underwear or there's some nudity that happens but it's presented in a way that you sort of are wondering whether he's just kind of taking a jab at the use of nudity in contemporary dance um, it's not really there's not a lot of meaning attached to it it's kind of made banal um, so He's commenting, um, I believe, just on on pop culture, on contemporary dance, on modern relationships and modern society. Um, just for us to get an idea of what the stage is like, how many dancers and, and how many musicians are filling the space? Well, there's three musicians, including Fred himself. He alternates between being a dancer and a musician. Um, but they have instruments, so there's guitars, there's a trumpet, there's, like, the music is set up in the middle at the back of the stage and the stage itself is just black marley and like i said everything is exposed so you see the sides where the dancers are going off they're just hanging out on the sides um and then so there's six dancers including six fred so there's quite a lot of performers on stage and it alternates between group sections um and solos and duets that happen between the dancers. Um, so again, these kind of vignettes or scenes that happen. Um, one thing I would say for myself, it's a pretty long show, though it didn't really feel like that. It went by pretty quickly. You're pretty wrapped up in what he's doing. But so it was engaging. It you. was engaging. But for me, there wasn't a, that much of an arc to the show which is perhaps part of what he's playing within the structure of like, we're just the same as playing songs, you know, we're mm. just, there's definitely not a narrative arc mm. or anything like that. Um, but I think at a certain point, once the, the kind of movement quality is installed and you see, you know, these kind of duets that are happening and you're like, okay, he's commenting on relationships, you know, he's commenting on, um, on like, uh, traditions or stereotypes in contemporary dance and personally I got a little bit mm, not lost but I think I could have done with things being a bit more condensed and or going on a slightly different trajectory mm. um, because it felt like a lot of sort of the same thing mm. and it okay yeah I was just gonna ask you actually if there was one thing that you were to ask Fred in terms of the work what do you think that would be something that you would just want to clarify being being an ups outside observer and, and mm -hmm. interpreting what he's doing just throwing a ball at you and see uh, yeah. what you got um, I think I would be curious what his intention was in in a lot of the duet sections in how much and in the like, for instance, there was a this sort of formal scene that happened near the end where the dancers all get dressed in formal clothes and they're all kind of, they're all involved in this duet, these duets with each other, male-female duets. And um, the movement itself isn't really 
the duet work itself is it's nice and it's impressive, but it's not really anything out in left field or anything that we haven't seen before. But I was wondering whether he's deliberately like, and I took the person I took with me to the show is not someone who's involved in the dance scene at all or who very often sees dance. Um, so it was interesting to hear her perspective on it. And she was sort of saying that, you know, she didn't find some of the, like that scene, for example, specifically, she didn't find super interesting. And, but I was questioning, I know he's often, a lot of his work is meant to be tongue in cheek and he's sort of commenting on what he's doing as he's doing it or commenting on conventions in contemporary dance. So, I think for me, sometimes it wasn't clear whether things were meant to be taken at face value or whether they were almost a comment on themselves, if I'm, that makes sense. I'm not sure if he's certain of that himself. From from what I've seen before, I think that like he's really positioned himself as a bit of a trickster of contemporary dance where yeah. he plays with codes, but at the same time, I feel that th- there's always this sort of hipster-ish detachment of everything mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm not saying that in a condescending way i just feel no, that because i think he's him, doing it in an, he's aware that he's doing it yeah i think that for him it's pretty much just about putting on a good show mm-hmm. and i i you know it might be a, it might seem reductible saying that i i don't think that he's just not thinking about uh, the craft or anything like that i think he actually really thinks about it mm-hmm. but i think that when it comes down to it he wants to make something that is smart is interesting and first and foremost is engaging for the audience mm-hmm. and sometimes it's playing with those codes but not necessarily having to like think them to death mm-hmm. i feel yeah and i would say on the whole it's a it's a smart show there's a there's some humor the physicality is really impressive it's great to have the live musicians on stage and some of the songs are really beautiful um and he's definitely you know developed this particular voice and this particular style um which is which sets him apart um in the montreal dance milieu uh and like you said he he is a very you know he's consciously doing making the choices he's making i think in this show in particular my only critique or question would just be it for the length of the show i think i wanted something a little bit more like something more developed or more an element of surprise Um, because it felt like after a certain point i sort of got it and it didn't really take me anywhere new after Mm -hmm. that but it's definitely it's a great show the great performers uh as I said, it's not your usual dance show. It's exciting to have these live musicians in front of you uh, and to see him going back and forth between being the musician and the dancer. And uh, I think it's, it has something to offer for, for dance fans and people that don't normally go to a contemporary dance show. So it's playing through this weekend and next week as well. I recommend that you go and check it out. Uh, again, the dates are... November 7th to 10th and November 14th to 17th at 8 p.m. at St. Kim's South Place des Arts, which is a great theater, I will just say, one of my favorite places to watch dance in Montreal. And, yeah, produced by Danse Danse, and you can get your tickets in person at the Place des Arts box office or online or over the phone. So go and check it out, Fred Gravel. Great.
If you have just tuned in, you may have guessed that we are Movement Museum and we're talking about dance. And we're just going to take a quick break and be right back at you. Welcome back to Movement Museum here on CKUT 90.3 FM. You can find us at movementmuseum.com. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. You can email us uh, currently at movement at ckut.ca. I'm Alison Burns. I'm here with Jen Doan, J.D. Papillon, and Karen Fennell. And uh, in the first half of the show there, you heard us uh, do a whole bunch of dance reviews. And in the second half, we're going to do our best to have an interview. Now, the question is, Angelique, are you there? Yes, I am. Wonderful. Success with technology. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and Angelique, you're with uh, Acme Burlesque. Yes, that's right. What do you do with Acme Burlesque? Um, well, I've actually just moved to Montreal from Australia, um, and I'm doing a burlesque number tonight. This is my first time performing in Montreal. Uh, prior to that, I was, I've done, been doing a burlesque for about four years back in Australia. Oh, fantastic. So this is the first time you're exposing yourself to a Montreal audience. Yes, it is. I see what you did there. Yeah, I saw that little pun. <laughs> what drew you to burlesque, Angelique? Pardon? Sorry? What drew you into burlesque four years ago? Um, well, I've always been a big fan of the vintage era. Um, I, I was brought up on the 20s to 50s style of music. And um, back in Western Australia, which is far, far away... Um, we actually the company I worked for there. We introduced burlesque to the uh, the Perth where I'm seeing there, and it sort of flew up from there, from just the Charleston and swing dancing to just the beauty of seeing uh, girls get up on stage and perform. And it's not about you know having a size or we say eight in Australia, but I think it's a size zero or is it American. Um, <laughs> Like a particular body type, basically. Yeah, so just, but it's, you know, beautiful, luxurious women who are, it's really great for women to get up on stage and embrace their femininity and their sexuality and be able to express it in a beautiful art form. And how how do you feel, um, since you just got here, what do you feel about the Montreal scene? Have you had time to connect with people in the dance, in the burlesque scene in Montreal? Or is it like, is this going to be really your first taste of the burlesque scene here? Um, well, I first got introduced to the burlesque scene for the, it was the Grand Burlesque Show, which is a company Scarlett James uh, runs for the shows there. At, um, I believe it's across the road from Cleopatra, uh, the venue there. I've Apologize, I've forgotten the name of the venue. But um, then I got introduced to Shane, who is uh, who runs Acme Burlesque, and I sang for a girls act. Uh, I think it was in in June or April or June, and sang for her number. And um, yeah, and they have a live band performing with their burlesque, which is amazing because we we don't really have that happen so much in Australia. It's quite rare that you get to have live music and it's, it's such a wonderful feel. I mean, you get that with circus and other forms of cabaret, but it, it can be quite rare to organize that with burlesque because it can sometimes be easier just to press play on a, on a CD or an MP3 player. And it's really amazing to have been introduced to Shane and Acme Burlesque to be able to do that. And do you feel that there's ever... Um a need to perform more than you normally would since you're not alone on stage? Do you, do you ever feel that there is a bit of a, not a competition per se, but that, that you need to amp up your game because of that? I believe, well, not necessarily, because 
every girl has a very different style when she performs. Um, some girls are, I use the term cheesecake, so it's very, like, 1950s housewife style. Some girls do a lot more comedy, some are a lot more just beautiful, sexy costumes, and it's, everyone expresses themselves in different styles. So, I mean, tonight there's a friend of mine doing a David Bowie number. She's a big fan of Bowie, so she's going to be glamming it up 80s rock style for that. So it's it, really unique. So it's a really, uh, the burlesque girls that you ever meet, they're, it's not bitchy. It's never, can I say that? Um, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, to be honest, if you if you're in the comedian crowd, like the comedy, you'll find they're a bit more knocky than than what you find in burlesque. Everyone's very supportive. And what about the band, though? Like when you're on stage with the band, do you feel that the, the it, it changes the way you need to approach your performance because there's a band on stage with you? Uh, to an extent. Um, You don't really feel alone. You don't feel like you're just alone on state on an empty stage by yourself. Um, I went to we had rehearsals last night, and it's really great. Shane composes all the music together, and just to see, so you choose a song, and he puts it together, and 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 every all the musicians um, give a damn about how sound comes across and. They, they perform themselves, so it's, it's an ensemble, really. Everyone's in it together. Wonderful. Do you want to speak a little bit about the show that's coming up and uh, what we can expect as an audience? Yeah. Um, tonight, I'm really, really excited about the show tonight. Um, there's going to be some really unique performances. There is going to be a girl stripping while she plays piano. <laughs> How the hell she does that, I have no idea, but Amazing. it's going to be... Incredible to see. Um, tonight, I'm actually using two circus boys as my doing a Cleopatra number. So I'm using these circus boys as my slaves. So basically, they're my props for the evening, but they do other amazing stuff, and hopefully we'll see more of them in the next coming months. Um, they do. They train at the Ecole de Cirque. Um, but honestly, uh, audiences for coming tonight... Uh, Expect a, a whole ball of fun. That's all I can say. And the show is sure. at uh, 8.30 at Mainline Theatre, which is uh, 3997 Saint Laurent, just below Duluth. And is it just tonight the show's happening? Yes. Yeah, they, they run, actually run shows roughly around every two months. But there is so much burlesque in, uh, happening around in Montreal. And since Acme started in February... There's a lot more um, more uh, burlesque happening with live music. The, the Montreal Burlesque Festival had live music, like a rock theme. There's going to be a show this Saturday called Bang Bang, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And um, even last, I think it was last Saturday, it was Lady, late, uh, Lady Josephine. They ran a show as well with live music. So I definitely think in terms of where burlesque is evolving today and mostly it, Or possibly in just in Montreal, but across the world, uh, live music is definitely the way to go. So, Angelique, um, I know you're you're new to Montreal, and but maybe in general, if someone goes to a show, a burlesque show, and they're like, "Wow, I love what she's doing. I want to get into that." How does one start? How does one get into that and, and get themselves, you know, burlesqued? And um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
way about. I'd say in Montreal, the best thing is there's always volunteer work for these kind of shows. There isn't a, a large budget per se. You'd be amazed by the amount of money each of the individual performers spend on their costumes. <laughs> um, and you can, yeah, no, you can hundred thousand of dollars. Been running around for the last week, grabbing here, things here and there. But um, if they want to get involved, volunteering, getting involved, seeing the show, and meeting the people involved afterwards, I'd always encourage anyone to. to to visit the shows, and if they want to know more about it, come meet the performers or meet myself. I would love to talk to them about burlesque and what kind of style they would bring to their own burlesque as well. I also believe that Miss Sugarpuss uh, teaches workshops and classes, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, there is. I actually, to be honest, don't know about uh, the what being, uh, classes are being run here, but with the company that I worked for back in Australia, we ran... Um, workshops as well and and it's a really great it's really great for us as well as a company because it's a it's a way for scouting we can say oh that's mm-hmm. really good i like their style uh would you be interested in in and in getting involved in a show do you have an act do you have vi- and also having video footage you can film it at home and then say hey here's my stuff like what do you think and it really just runs from there yeah, absolutely. And just, just for anybody uh, intrigued, you can actually look up Miss Sugarpuss, all one word, dot com. And there's a, even a section about classes right there. I believe she teaches them at uh, Studio Sweatshop. I just have a quick question, too. Is there going to be any boylesque numbers tonight? <laughs> Not necessarily. Um, the boys that I'm using tonight, we, it's, let's just say my Cleopatra number is going to be, you know, a bit more like Madonna style. Um and this will be their first time performing some flight form of boylesque, but you, there's definitely boylesque in the next couple of shows coming. There, um, there is a big boylesque scene just starting up now. There's a lot of people that they didn't realize how to get involved in the scene, and now they know, and they definitely want to be involved. That's nice. Male objectification is good. <laughs> you have to balance yeah. it no, boylesque is amazing. It's really incredible because it's definitely. It's something that it's not like Channing Tate and Magic Mike style. There's a real art form to doing boylesque because it it's a really fine line between finding comedy and sexy and and it's really incredible to see the ideas that that guys come up with. There's a performer called Jedador who was who's from Chicago and they run a group called the Stage Door Johnnies. And watching them perform, it's amazing. You're just watching it going, please take me home. Please take me home. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm very excited about the show tonight. And uh, and if you miss it, like you said before, Acme Burlesque is uh, performing frequently. So you can always check them out. And you guys have a website as well, right? Yes, we do. AcmeBurlesque.com. Uh, yeah, and you can also find Acme as well. If you uh, like their page, that you can always keep up to date on Facebook as well when the next coming shows are. And Wonderful. also other shows happening in Montreal. That are burlesque related? Yes. Great. Great. A one-stop resource. Thank you so much, Angelique, for, for talking to us about uh, Acme Burlesque today. Yeah, no, all the best here in me. Montreal. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank right. you. Bye. Take care. So that was uh, that was another burlesque interview we just did with uh, Angelique from Acme Burlesque, and she mentioned Bang Bang from uh, the company Cirque Antique, who we had on a couple weeks ago, L- or last, last week? week. Oh my goodness! Last week, time flies. <laughs> we are all about burlesque.
Um, so that was great. I think what we're going to do right now is we still have uh, some in, uh, reviews to do. So let's get through another one before let's we do, say goodbye. Let's talk about Feschecter. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, you see that. Uh, you saw that. Yeah. yeah, Political Mother. That thing, the name wouldn't come back to me. But Political Mother by Office Schechter, which was presented uh, by Dance Dance uh, last week. We went to it on Thursday. And would you have to say about that, Alison? The first 15 minutes of the show were the most exciting 15 minutes in performance I've seen possibly ever all right wow. I had give us a little down though what was that like a smile on my face um it was he okay hofe Schechter is a, a trained musician as well as a dancer he actually has a background in percussion but not like contemporary dance but dance for Betsheva. yeah he danced for Betsheva. he's he's got like a rock and roll percussionist background and uh and that it, this show is just rock and roll it's it's aggressive it's exciting it's um loud and in the first 15 minutes it really gave you or gave me the the best of of the show just surprises and excitement and uh little vignettes of like um of just amazing kind of the, using okay my favorite my favorite part was the, okay so wait, wait, slow down well, there's a lot Allison to say is about so that show <laughs> so excited the the opening image is of yeah. a soldier and he commits kind of Harry Carey, Harry Carey, whatever, uh, ritual suicide on stage. Just cuts his guts open. Well, he not, stabs, not literally, he but... stabs the knife, the sword, right? In. And he, it's very convincing, though. He's, yeah, you know, he's they use the prop sword, so you see the sword st uh, sticking out in the back, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full wow. of blood. That was yeah. nice. Would you say that's magic on stage? Or is this like a prop? Like, how did that work? Uh, yeah, it was. It, I was really. It was really convincing. The guy died. Yeah, he totally. He totally. He was like, "This is for art. I'm gonna just stab myself in the stomach." And then you see the words "political mother," and then it and it proceeds to kind of go through a lot of um, different kind of characters that they introduce to you. There's like the slave or the oppressed character. There's the soldier character. There's the um, what other characters? A are lot there? of the them rebel. just just felt like. Um, basically uh, a population that was under a dictatorship and how they are going through this. I felt like, you know, th there's just this, the population, the, the like normal citizens who are pretty much wearing drab clothing. There's the soldiers, which wear the uniforms. And one of the main things also is the use of the orchestra on stage. And the way they, they use them is that they're totally at the back of the stage, but on this sort of kind of kind of at the back. Okay, sorry, I, I just realized that the show hasn't has stopped playing, so it is. Yeah, safe we to can say talk this. about it because this was a big part no, of the, the reveal, the surprise, is having the the musicians behind a scrim. Yeah, and so when they them. when they first appear, because they're on two levels basically, like you've got the drummers at the bottom, all in military garb at first, or were they? They were wearing tank tops for a while, then military garb. And you have the guitar players on top and a singer who basically looks like uh, Mussolini. That, that well, was sort of my the vibe I was getting. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole thing was like, you know this story. It's, it's all the stories. It's all the stories of oppression, all the stories of rebellion, all the stories of, of, of group mentality and, and single leader. So that the, the guy up top, he, he plays, he's the general, he's the rock star, he's the uh, politician, he's so the many speaker. different things. Yeah. 
and he's the one and then the rest of the group is the that i believe seven dancers that is the 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 population the rest of the world the group and you're talking about this violent physicality at some point and he embodies that fully like his movement is so aggressive is so rough it's almost like i mean it 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 reminded me in in the uh, energy of cramping a bit where it just like you know just in your face but it it was in a way different from cramping i felt like he went into like a rock a hard rock club and like Mm -hmm. watched everybody like bang like head bang and rock out and took that and choreographed it Because there, there was this beautiful moment with the, the duet at the beginning. It's two guys, and they just they they're jumping around, but they're jumping around in unison, and it was fantastic. It was really interesting, and I mean that isn't the entire uh, movement vocabulary, but there were a lot of things like that where I felt like they were um, appropriated movements from from popular dance or re- like other other moments Folk of dance dances. like that. Yeah, turned into this this vocabulary that he uses throughout the work. A lot of it felt to me um, like the people will stand up and the people will stay strong because they're united. And I feel that 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 was the message that kept coming back. Um, For me, in a way, though, it's something I mentioned. I felt it was a bit too cyclical where it always came back to the same point. Yeah, it wasn't a linear tale. It was just a lot of a lot of selections of of proposed situations mm-hmm. and i don't know for me that was maybe the problem that you never got any resolution to it but it's it's it is cyclical it does keep happening yeah, revolutions keep coming and people keep getting overthrown and people keep becoming oppressed and um, life is a cycle but it <laughs> it, it does Let's be philosophical today <laughs> It had about a million climaxes and a million like denouements, and uh, huh. and was that exhausting as a for a viewer? Oh God, yes. Was it ever like enough? Um, I get it. I don't know. I craved the high energy moments though, mm. because it, it, the other thing too. I was just, tired after the show. Yeah, it That's, drained me. But was it like in a good way? Yeah. Like basically, I needed a cigarette after. See, that's Kinda. that's good. Yeah, in my opinion, <laughs> I like that yeah. feeling after a show. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's a show that I feel that can't be. It, it's one of the really tough critics uh, critiques to do because it's a show that has to be experienced to be fully understood, and you can check out videos. I feel that it does give a bit of an idea, but mm. like you don't get but the full epic, energy. The, yeah, yeah, the energy. The, the, I think it's a big good it word is. for a show like that. Yeah, and I really didn't know what to expect. Like I just knew uh, I, I'd seen a bit of uh, pictures and I'd heard how great it was supposed to be. And then you're just like, it's in your face, you know, like from the moment, the minute the the music starts, it's Mm -hmm. boom in your face. And I sent a friend of mine to see the show who's, uh, she's from um, Iceland, really into metal. (laughs) And it was one of her favorite shows ever. Because Mm -hmm. the way, like, it's not the kind of music that you combine with contemporary dance too often, but the way that they manage to create just this cohesiveness between that really powerful, like, Almost, yeah. you know, like 
Which is not to say it was music. it was consistently that style of music. There were moments yep. of, of quiet and stillness, and uh, um, th- there was like a classical music and uh, some some popular music kind of woven in there, just to kind of. And it was interesting too. It's like a study in the contrast of of what that says to the movement vocabulary that remains the same and how it changes it. But I never felt that the music uh, intensity fell even when they changed musical styles. I felt that even through the classical, you still had the same kind of uh, propelling mm-hmm. behind it that, that, moved, that, that pushed the movement further, and which is you know, uh, complementary, I feel, to, to the show, that, that they managed to keep that same energy even when they were shifting music and going with much more soft music. Yeah, and that doesn't bother me because it, it, didn't, it didn't require... A kind of a, a quiet changing your resolution. perspective too, yeah, yeah. There's also uh, something I really appreciated because a, a lot of contemporary dance uh, where people unknowingly or or they they use really aggressive movement and and it's inherently aggressive, but they're it's not they're not trying to make it aggressive anyway. But in this in this context, that kind of violence really served the work which was really nice to see it was kind of a release to get to go those places and have it be cohesive that makes sense yeah 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 cool Uh, i like that it sounds like it was made you guys excited you can always tell when you give a review and your voices are just like ah ah." so it sounds like uh and that was an awesome show do you guys know if the if the piece is still touring around north america Around North America, I wouldn't know, though. I mean, you could always check the company's website. Uh, Does he have a company name? No, I think it's just Fish It's the whole Fish company, yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, the the show is called Political Mother, and it was playing at uh, Théâtre Maisonneuve as again part of the Danse Danse season um, from the first, second, and third of November, which is way too short a run. (laughs) But there you go. yeah, any luck? This weekend, they're in the National Arts Center. And in, in Ottawa? Ottawa? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so nine, if you're in Ottawa ten. this weekend. Yeah, check it out. So I think that's it for Movement Museum today. Anybody else have a shout-out for a show we should see or something like that? Uh, just a quick mention that uh, the new Short and Sweet, we got a press release for Short and Sweet, uh, which will be on November 28th. Uh, people probably know about that show. It's a really fun show, so you should definitely go see it. Any other reason you're bringing that up, J.D.? No. No? No. Okay. It's just a really good experience and people (laughs) should go see it. (laughs) All right. Thanks very much. Uh, We've been Movement Museum here on CKUT 90.3 FM. I'm Alison Burns. You've heard J.D. Papillon, Karen Fennell, and Jen Doan this afternoon. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, no.